God, we pray. And um, Lord, bring us renewal and refreshment um, by your word and your spirit in our lives. So Lord, uh, we're asking together now that uh, you would be uh, working in your beautiful and sovereign way. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 55 is really one of the most beautiful... Oh, I've got a phone here that I didn't even ask for. It's recording. Oh! I have to have the phone. Um, It really is one of the most beautiful uh, passages in Scripture. Really a magnificent passages. It's extraordinary in the promises that it makes and it's talking about the fulfilment of longings, deep longings in our heart. And we gather here this morning as a people with longings. Uh, Men and women, boys and girls, with longings for good things and things that have not yet been fulfilled. And so my desire as we look here together at Isaiah 55 that uh, the Lord would be delivering um, on his promise, even through this word, some of the longings that we have. But to do that, I really think we need to travel back just for a minute to the original hearers of Isaiah 55. Because 700 years before Jesus was born, roughly, there were a people... There's the people of God. And they've been taught for centuries that they would be the recipients of blessings. They were the special people of God. They were the ones that, under the great authority of the Davidic king, and, and the, uh, that, that they would received the covenant of love that God had made to David. And so they'd been taught for a long time that good things were coming to them. But instead, now, they're actually in deep discouragement and deep um, sense of dejection because of their own rebellion and their own turning away from God. Some great nations, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, have come with terrifying power and force. And now here they are, a people that are reduced to servanthood. And they've got some big questions of God. God, do you want to deliver us? God, are you able to deliver us? God, do you intend to deliver us? Or is our rejection of you, is our discouragement and our downheartedness something permanent? And amidst all that, God raises up a prophet. Very, very powerful prophet, um, the prophet Isaiah. And he speaks to this people. In actual fact, if you read the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, there's, there's, 
I feel uncomfortable just the, the, the frequency of severe judgment that's actually in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. And then we get to Isaiah 53 and we hear about a servant, a mysterious person. And we read about him that surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace that was on him and by his wounds we are healed. And so you know that here is one of the most famous Old Testament passages looking forward to someone that would bring blessing in amongst people that are deeply discouraged. It's speaking about Christ. And now it sets us up for Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, there are blessings just breaking over the people of God. It's just incredible how lavish they are. But where do these benefits come from? In amongst this discouraged and and broken people? They come from the servant. The one who looks forward to the suffering of Christ. That's where they come from. All these blessings purchased. Purchased ultimately by Christ. So now let's look at Isaiah 55. And we can't touch on every element of this. But let's look together because Isaiah speaks to us today. And first of all, he makes three invitations and then he, com- he instructs us to listen three times. So let's listen to the three invitations and let's listen to him instructing us to, to listen three times. Verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. This is an invitation to, to come. And I love that word, come. Because it's horrible to be rejected. It's horrible when people send you away and push you out of, your, of their lives and say, we don't want you. But here is this beautiful word, and it's Isaiah the prophet speaking on behalf of God, and he's saying, come, will you come? Do you know normally people that get an invitation to come, uh, to come, if you get a really big invitation, it's for the rich people or the famous people or the people with good marks or the people with great qualities or the, those that are talented or educated and all, everyone else is excluded, that nobodies can't come. But this says, come, all you who are thirsty. Just, just one qualification just one qualification you've got to have to, to come. Come, come to the waters. If you're in your rags and if you're in your mess and in your brokenness and in your in discouragement, this is your only qualification. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? 
you remember when Jesus did come? And in John chapter 7, it says at the last and the great day of the feast, he did something absolutely amazing. I'm just amazed by this. He stood up in the middle of the feast and he said, If anyone is thirsty, come. I'm the one. I'm the one. Come to the waters. Come, buy and eat. And it's almost as though it's a, it's a street vendor. Have you ever been in those countries where the street vendors are on the side of the street and they are inviting you to come and, and eat the, what, what, they're, what they're selling? And he's saying, will you, will you come? <laughs> come, it's here, it's laid out, it's laid out before you. Without money, without cost. So that's strange. Without money, or without cost. Because you know, the world is inviting us to come all the time. That's what advertisements are. Or they're there, um, will you come and buy a car? Will you come to have a holiday? Will you come to the movies? Will you come and have a massage? Will you come and... But, but, but it's always the underlying thing is I want your money. That, that's, my, that's my motive. I, I, want, I want something from you. You, you come, but, but, but you've got to pay through the nose. But this is different. Come without money... Come and purchase. <laughs> Come and purchase something without money or without cost. What is different? What is different? Well, this, the, the, the other invitations are invitations from the world. And they are always with a top price tag. But this is an invitation from heaven, an invitation from God. And it's spiritual food and it's spiritual drink and it's an invitation. For the deepest longings, oh wow, I wonder what longings are in your heart. I wonder what deep, deep longings are in your heart. An invitation for love, an invitation for peace, an invitation for safety, an invitation for friends. But this is what I want you to know. This invitation... Is to those who have nothing to give. This invitation is for those that have got nothing to buy with. Have you got, are you thirsty? That's the question. That's the qualification. Have you got no money? It's vital that you're bankrupt. You can't come. Unless you're bankrupt. You can't come. This is not for you if you're not bankrupt. This is not for you if, you, if you've, your pockets are full of money. It's not for you. Will you come? Are you satisfied? Well, then you're not thirsty. This invitation's not for you. But there's no barrier 
if you're thirsty and if you're bankrupt. Who will pay? Who will pay? Do you know when Jesus, as we saw in Isaiah 53, so I'm not drawing a a long bow here, it's just two chapters ago. When Jesus was hanging on the cross with his arms open, he's saying, Will you come? Not, not those that are arrogant and have got it all. Not those that are all self-sufficient and, and you, you, not, you don't you come. It's those that know that they've got a need. Know that know, someone that knows that they've got to have someone to die for them. Then you come. Three Three invitations to come, but three instructions now to listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the riches of fear. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Three times. Three times an invitation to come, but now three times an appeal for us to listen. Because you know when your mum says, listen to me. He goes through one out here and goes in one ear and out the other. And you don't listen. But, but, but Isaiah is saying this is way, way, way too important for you just to let it go in one ear and out the other. Will you listen three times? Listen to me and eat what is good. Give ear to me and come to me. Do you notice something? Something's changed. It's an invitation now of Isaiah, will you come to me? God is inviting you to come to himself. It's now not just about water and food. It's about, it's God's let the cat out of the bag, as it were. He is saying, I want you to come to me. I am the feast. I'm the one that you come to. It's talking about personal encounter. Oh, yes, it is. Listen, listen. Will you come? Will you come and personally encounter the living one? Listen to me that your soul may live. Oh, I want my soul to live. The most precious thing of all that my soul might live. I will make an everlasting covenant. My faithful love promised to David. Do you know all these blessings that, he, that he's inviting us to? That they're all tied up in a covenant. And it's, it's this. Do you remember God made a promise to David? A promise that he would rule on an eternal throne. <laughs> and I don't know whether you can believe this or not. Because it's absolutely mind boggling. But what is being said here, I will bring you, I will bring you into the covenant blessings of David. The internal rule 
The, the eternal strength and power. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting, if you've got ears to listen, if you would hear, I'm bringing you into an incredibly exalted position. The covenant love promised to David, I, I, I paid for it. <laughs> It's all being paid for. You just have to admit your bankruptcy and just come with your thirst and I will bring you in into this covenant, into this covenant love. And then, surely you will summon the nations you know not. No, the nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. I believe this is talking about the church. He's endowed you with splendor and the nations are running to you. Do you know globally the church in China that wasn't part of the people of God originally, are flooding to Christ. They're flooding into the church. Do you know, uh, in Iran, there is a spread of the gospel and the nation, this is being fulfilled as we speak, the nations are running to the church. The nations are running. But do you know, it says here, that for he has endowed you with splendor. He's endowed... I think it's talking about the church endowed you with splendor. And I know, I know that the church, because I'm part of a church, and I know, and I don't say this with any joy, but I know sometimes we don't have the splendor. Sometimes we don't have the splendor. And there is a deep longing in me that we as a church would be beautiful, like truly gorgeous, in joy and in courage and in love and in power. Um, how, how could this ever happen? Will you come? Will you come? And will you listen? I think maybe right at the heart, structurally, the way Isaiah is written, verse 6 is right at the heart. Big verse 6 and 7. So I almost want you to hear what it says here. It's a hard word, actually. But it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. You know, seek the Lord. Do you know that's an, that's an injunction for you and for me? Have you ever sought the Lord? What does it mean to seek the Lord? What does it mean to seek the Lord? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near and there's an there's an indication here that the window of opportunity is small it's a limited opportunity seek the lord because he won't be able to be found forever and and call on him while he is near because 
Now is the moment. Now is the moment. Call on him. Seek him. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. How I long to hold on to my unrighteous thoughts and my don't want to forsake my wicked. But but this is a call, a very direct call. There's a forsaking involved here. There is a turning away. There is a I've got to put that aside. My thoughts that are just so messed up and and wrong. This is a a very direct call to us to, to put that aside. To forsake. But then a turning away, yes, but now a turning to the Lord. And let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. I love that word mercy. Because in the past, it's like, um, in the past, it's like, the, the people of God have done all sorts of bad things and he's been in judgment and punishment and he does, in fact. But now, if we bring our, our sin and our wickedness to him and turn away and turn back to him, mercy, mercy, just mercy for us. I need that, that mercy. So now, just want to... Look what I think Isaiah tells us in the last part of of this chapter. Three reasons, and they're all illustrated from nature. Three reasons why we, why you, why all of us should respond to this call. Listen to the first one, the first reason. We need to respond to this call because God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Listen. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are as high are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Now, think with me about a little ant that happens to be running across the stage here. What's going through his mind or her mind? What's he make of this sermon so far? (laughs) I mean, his thoughts are minuscule. He has no idea what's going on. And now God is saying, there is an infinite gap. There is an infinite gap. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so far high is my thoughts higher than your thoughts. There is an infinite gap. that We cannot hope to think that we know everything about God and that we've got it all worked out because we have not. We just haven't. We don't know it. And so, look, why should we respond to this call? Because we haven't got it all worked out and we need to acknowledge that God is way, way, way bigger. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
And, and the, but this gap can be bridged by us responding in repentance and faith. And as we respond in repentance and faith, it's like he now gives us his mind. He, 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 but, 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 but we need to respond to the call. The second illustration is from verse 10. And follow him. We respond to the call because of the power of the word of God. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields its seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that does uh, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So there is a comparison here now between rain, believe it or not, and the word of God. When the rain doesn't fall, You here in Cora, we don't know too much about this. Because <laughs> I've been looking at the crops on my head by here this morning. And so maybe there's more pain here than I know because I know it's a bit deceiving sometimes. But when you look at those images in northern New South Wales, Wagga's not too bad either. But we're harvesting at home right at the moment. And I know that our sheep are running out of feed. And, 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 but when you look at northern New South Wales and it's just a dust bowl, it's just a dust bowl and it's barren. Do you know what that does to my heart? It just puts this deep sense of despair and almost dread that this barrenness, this image of just complete barrenness. But when the rain falls, it is invariable that, that, that little seeds just start to pop up. Yeah. It's invariable. It's, it's a, it's a, it, it never, it's always that way. And, and when the seeds pop up, the flourishing comes and there's fruitfulness that comes and, and all of a sudden the, the, the landscape has just got this vegetative, amazing glory because the rain came. You can't bring it yourself. We've got to wait. We've got to wait for the rain. You, you can't manufacture it yourself. You, 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 you've got to wait for the rain, it's got to come from the heavens, as it were. But now the word, the word of God. Do you know when the word, when there's a drought of the word of God, there's terrible barrenness. Oh yes, there is. Oh, you can have the most flourishing earth as you like. You can have it all looking fantastic, but when the Word of God, is, there's a drought of the Word of God, then there is a terrible barrenness in the human heart and in human society. Yes, there is. A terrible barrenness. And we've got to wait, in a sense, for it to come from heaven too, because Jesus says, it says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And, and what, are, what am I saying? 
He came to us from heaven. He, he came to us. We couldn't manufacture that. God comes in his graciousness and he now speaks through Christ and he speaks to us through this word and it comes from heaven. And, and when it comes, it is invariable. It brings fruitfulness. It brings restoration to our souls. It brings hope and, and deliverance and, and everything that we could long for. It's this word. It's this word. Our dependency, do you know, I really believe this, that when I think of the church that I'm part of, and I think, Lord, I just feel, uh, I wish, Lord, I'm just longing for fruitfulness, longing for fruitfulness. And yes, we see little drops of rain and we're thankful, we want to honour thank the Lord for every drop of rain. But I really believe that fruitfulness comes from the word and prayer. From the word and prayer. It doesn't mostly come from me manufacturing this thing or that thing. It doesn't mostly even mostly come from me. It comes from God. It's something delivered. It's like heaven's open. And, and, and he is saying, yeah, this this is the reason to respond because the word is powerful. Just like rain is powerful and brings flourishing, the word has just got its own intrinsic power to transform and bring life and bring hope and bring everything. The word. The word. And number three. So number four is we respond. Number one is that we respond to this call because God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Number two is we respond because of the power of the word. But let's look at number three. Listen to what it is. We respond because of the joy that awaits us. You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and hills will burst in song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And instead of thorn bushes, will grow juniper. And instead of briars, myrtle will grow. And this will be for the Lord's renown. For an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So picture this with me now. You'll go out with joy. And be led forth with peace. A promise from God. A promise from God. That, that, that contradicts all our discouragement. And this contradicts... Imagine those people back in Israel. And all the discouragement. They're just gripped with this discouragement. And they can't go on. And it's, it's hopeless. And it's helpless. And God, God are you going to... And Isaiah stands up. And he says, you will be led forth with peace. With joy. What is it? Go out with joy. Be led forth with peace. And not only that. But the mountains and the hills will break forth before you. In shouts of joy. It's like the mountains themselves will be filled with joy. Why? Because you've trusted in the Lord. You've gone to the one, the servant who has died and has risen again now. As you trust in him, the mountains are now breaking forth. And the trees are clapping their hands. It is a, just this picture of hope and of flourishing and of joy. Do you see? No longer captivity, no longer in a stuckness, no longer frustration. But this is a promise from God. You shall go out with joy. 
The mountains are breaking forth before you. And it's a, this will be for the Lord to renown, the last verse. An everlasting sign will endure forever. Do you know it won't be for my renown or yours? It'll be for the Lord's renown that he does this. In a moment, um, I'm aware that it's communion. And I want you to hear afresh um, in this passage the invitation to come. An invitation to come to the feast who is God himself. Offering himself Oh yeah, we're broken and we're bankrupt and we're thirsty and we need him. We just totally need him. We need him. The word of God, Christ, died and risen again. We need him. And as we trust in him, as we obey the call, as we come to the feast and eat and drink, we're coming with a great hope of joy. It might not be, that that great joy may not happen tomorrow afternoon. There's some waiting involved. But it's a promise, it's a sure and certain promise. And we're already tasting it as we trust trust that promise. It's an amazing thing about promises, that although the fulfilment may not yet be now, even as we hold out to the promise, we're we're already tasting the promise now. Do you know? We're tasting the promise now. By holding on to the promise now. And so I want to encourage you now this morning to obey this invitation from Isaiah 55 to come. Come. Buy wine and buy and milk without money and without price. Because the price is paid. And the promise is for you. The covenant. The covenant. Covenant. Jesus said, This is my covenant in my blood. The covenant, the faithful love to David. Let me pray. Lord, are your your word and your light, Lord, your love, everything that comes from you is what we need. We confess our thirstiness. We confess our total bankruptcy. And we come, Lord, to you. In Jesus' name.